Cancer didn't define me, it redesigned me. This is Denise D. Simone, and you are listening to So Much More Than Cancer, a podcast presented by From Stage 4 to Center Stage. There is no doubt about it. The words, you have cancer, are devastating. I heard these words in 2005 when I was diagnosed with stage 4 throat and neck cancer and was given only three months to live. Well, that was 15 years ago, and I am still here, and I'm better than ever. My guests and I are on a mission to inspire and empower the cancer community. Cancer's a wake-up call. It's a divine invitation to dig deep into your soul. Cancer doesn't have to define you. It can redesign you as well. I want you to know, no matter where you are in your journey, you are so much more than cancer. So let's be brave, let's have some fun, and let's get after it. I'm your host, Denise D. Simone, and you are listening to So Much More Than Cancer. Well, hello, everyone, and I'm excited today to have Billy and Meredith Starr, who are the founders, or Billy's the founder of the Pan Mass Challenge, known to the New England area as the PMC. And the PMC is a bikeathon that has raised more than any other single athletic fundraising event in the country. Billy founded this organization in 1980 and over four decades has raised $717 million and in the year of the pandemic raised $63 million in 2019 alone. And the PMC donates 100% of rider-raised dollar donations to the Dana-Farber slash Jimmy Fund Cancer Institute. Dana-Farber is a a world-renowned cancer institute, and the Jimmy Fund is focused on raising money for childhood cancer. I have done the Pan Mass Challenge four times myself, raised a few pennies, and um, have been... um, friends with these two fabulous souls for a long time and I am so excited to have you with us today on the podcast so thanks for being here welcome thank Thank you you. thanks yeah so Billy um you're the person who started this fabulous organization and tell me a little bit about what happened why did you start it what was going on did you ever think it would be this huge I lost my mother, uncle, and cousin to cancer in rapid succession in the uh, early mid-70s. And it took a while to gel, but about in 1979 or 77, I started riding a bike. Uh, I was an athlete, but I had matriculated to them was the new wave of outdoor sports that was coming on in the U.S. And, um, but... You know, I was looking to do something different with my life than what I was doing, which was sort of a journeyman, journalist, student, salesman, whatever. <laughs> uh, I hadn't made up my mind. and uh, But in 1980, after having now ridden to Provincetown multiple times, and that's the tip of Cape Cod for whatever of your audience is outside of, uh, well, New England, and um, I thought there was something to be done with a bike 
and raising and asking for money. And you have to understand, it didn't exist then. I mean, raising money as an amateur was black tie and bingo night. The idea of the whole sports <laughs> event-a-thon world did not exist. And I came out with the original PMC in 1980. We rode 220 miles from Springfield to Provincetown. And we raised $10,200 with 36 riders. And we, you know, the humor, but the truth was we did about every logistical thing wrong you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the feedback from the people who had participated that year was that there was something here that made them feel more than however they define themselves. And that really caught my attention as what we might now call psychic income, philanthropy, volunteerism is sort of a critical part of the human condition uh, after, of course, food, family, work. And if you sort of have your act together, you start thinking about those things and living a more fulfilling life. And it's into that world that the Athon industry has come quite strongly over the last 30 years, where it's now a four or five billion dollar industry. So just to update it, because you didn't quite get the number for this year's gift, we're now at $767 million. As we did raise $50 million, we announced that a week ago. for our this year's gift to Dana-Farber. And as to the success of the PMC, um, particularly in this year where you couldn't hold the event, I could talk a lot about the secret sauce of a live event and the level of commitment, but it's a commitment you have to focus on. The way this event was designed was it carries a high fundraising minimum, we created a culture of commitment where between the synergy of the PMC, giving 100% of all rider raised revenue and the very deserving charity that is Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, we started attracting first in the 80s, maybe athletes because 200 miles was considered a big deal back then. Now, cancer survivors, Elite athletes, very non-elite athletes, uh, who want to be a part of this. And with this year in particular, where you couldn't host an event, and many said, see you next year. We did not. Hmm. And we basically kept our community connected and said, you know, mission first, which we always say, no different. And we're able uh, to raise $50 million, which was pretty darn good. And suggested that we're, we're on a good path and that this is a priority to people, even in a pandemic. And you raise a good point. Um, you know, even in a pandemic, it, it, it slowed a lot down. But cancer doesn't wait. You know, disease doesn't wait. And people need to know that there are people out there doing things such as this to help. And as well, 
you know, community is so critically important. You have built an amazing community. I mean, from that little money to raise in in 1980, which sounds so small now, but that was a huge amount of money at that time. And well, it, wasn't, it wasn't a real lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> but 40 years ago, that yeah. that is yeah. for the first time out the gate, and you're you're like the grandfather of the athon and the athletic. I'm almost flattered, Denise. Grandfather, <laughs> I haven't heard that imagery yet. <laughs> I heard father. I have not heard grandfather. Thank you. Well, you were on a half a century almost, and uh, well, so that's, you're, that's you <laughs> got the grandfather status in my mind. I was a child prodigy. I was 10 years old when I started. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. That's right. So yeah. how did you – I'm curious, and for those listening, and I'm sure many of the people even listening have gone to the fabulous Dana Farber Institute themselves or someone they know because everybody – you know, there was a time when you didn't really know somebody that was touched. Now it's – one degree of separation. So how was it that you got connected with the Dana-Farber and the Jimmy Fund? There were so many places that you could have chosen. Well, first of all, you raise a good point about what it was like back then. You're still coming out of an era where people weren't talking openly about disease. Right. So... You know, but at the same time, the Dana-Farber had the advantage, quite honestly, of even if people weren't willing to touch and get intimate, they had the Red Sox putting their name out there. Now, I'm a sports fan, Red Sox fan, and you were brought up with the Jimmy Fund, even at a distant level. So that when my family became ill and my idea crystallized, I knew where I wanted to go. There's the, the value of a PR. It is true I could have gone other places, mm -hmm. but I was not a professional in this at all. And I went to where they were treating children and adults, um, but they sort of had the emotional landscape of being that institute for the greater Boston and New England area. Not the only one but certainly the most prominent. So it was interesting that, again, when you put forth about people getting money or asking for money, that too was a new domain. You know, friends asking friends. Um, that people had to establish a comfort level. And frankly, that got easier over time, not only as our event grew, but as Dana-Farber and, quite frankly, the whole world exploded with information, mm -hmm. education, and activism about people saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a good case. You know, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. <laughs> I found a role that I could do. I could support people I believed in. And I think I'm typical of the constituency I've attracted. And we've attracted. So, Meredith, you want to expand on that one in your own way? Well, I, I think... You She's know, a little younger. <laughs> Not quite a grandmother. <laughs> the more, <laughs> the more um, you know, we learn about cancer and all the work that's going on at Dana-Farber. You know, PMC money, um, a lot of our funds are unrestricted. What's the percentage? 78% unrestricted. 
So that's money that, uh, you know, Dr. Lori Glimsher, the president and CEO and her team can decide, you know, if there's a promising young researcher who needs seed money because she or he has an idea that, you know, those funds go to that. And that's how so many discoveries are started. And then, you know, then people can apply for NIH funding or NCI funding. But for so many, um, at Dana-Farber, there's just so many brilliant scientists and researchers and this whole concept of, um, they call it bench to bedside, but they're really in the labs, you know, working honestly 24 seven um, with discoveries, with research and treatment and, uh, you know, just so many brilliant minds. And we have a lot of Dana-Farber doctors and nurses and staff who ride the PMC and they fundraise for their own labs, for their own work. I mean, it's really become, they ride with their patients. And you know, as being being a rider, Denise, how, um, you know, that just community, the, the living proof community, all the cancer survivors who gather um, together, you know, to celebrate the, the day at, at Mass Maritime. It's just very, very special, very special community. So needless to say, the PMC is a year round concern. I mean, when, this is, as you pointed out, this is a 41-year evolution of a business model, of a call to action, and, you know, a critical intersection would be the creation of the web itself and how information got out. But at the same time, we were attracting doctors and physicians, clinicians at Dana-Farber to ride. We were doing special programming to educate riders and volunteers of the event to become spokespeople for the PMC and Dana-Farber. And of course, the model for the PMC uh, of ultimate efficiency, and we're now in our 14th consecutive year of passing 100% of the raised money through to the Institute. That is proven year after year and study as study a critical component to what motivates people to raise money for any good cause. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to underwrite our entire year-round operation, which includes the PMC weekend, which is a huge infrastructure for your those that don't know. It's oh. a dozen different routes and 360 miles of infrastructure. It's a big event. How many so, riders? This year we had registered. I mean, we were expecting 7,000 people and 4,000 volunteers before the pandemic hit and we shut down registration in March. So we would have had a record higher than 7,000. Wow. Uh, and we would, you know, we had had a, an original goal of 65 million, which we would have gotten to. So it may take a year or two to get back to that. <laughs> uh, but that's certainly in my sights and our sights and our capabilities. Mm. But again, we have a very educated consumer and the web tools, the fundraising tools, uh, our programming allows for that messaging to be shared with what was in 2019, 350,000 donors. Wow. So 
getting the message out to a pretty big population. Yeah. And the Red Sox being the presenting sponsor is amazing and huge. And I know I can speak personally to the um, heart explosion of being at Fenway Park when there's a red right before a Red Sox game and five plus thousand maybe more people in the stands that are part of the PMC community and the the green monster opens up and and <laughs> all these people which I was one of at one of the events ride our bicycles out and line up on the first uh, baseline and the third baseline and for the national anthem which I want to thank you again for allowing me to to be one of the people that got to sing in 2007 um, after I rode. Moving, the most moving performance ever. <laughs> oh, well, thanks. Um, really? Well, we haven't had stage four throat and neck cancer. It was it was pretty, um, pretty powerful that I could even speak. Never mind. God gave me my voice back to sing. But it was it's such you know, the people that were there and the people that are there, you know, I still get people reach out to me from that uh, day um, that all of a sudden somebody remembers me and uh, they they look me up and they need help. And that's what we're here to do. You know, we're, we're here to help. But that day is amazing because I had ridden the 2005 ride and I almost passed out at the lunch stop. I did finish because I had raised about 12000 and I didn't want to, you know, renege on my part of the deal. I didn't know I was dying. And I was diagnosed a week later, and they gave me three months. Well, You were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. This Thanks. podcast, I hope, is proof of that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's why it's called So Much More Than Cancer. I want to talk so much more than cancer, and I want people to know that you're so much more than a cancer diagnosis. Don't let it define you. Let it redesign you. And for you, Billy and Meredith, you've let this design, like you were saying, you were looking for some worthwhile something to get your teeth and your heart around. And out of tragedy, you're like the phoenix rising. And, and look at what you've done. It's amazing. It just I commend you so much for your commitment and what you've been able to create in the community you have and the people that work with you. Uh, I'm just, um, I'm just astounded. And then I wrote a book called From Stage 4 to Center Stage, which starts the morning of the PMC on 05 and ends the, uh, at the, the finish line of the ride in 2007. And as well, that's my documentary too. It's, it's, um, I don't know if you've got a remarkable gotten... story, Denise, the whole, uh, all of it. And it is, I love the title, by the way, I love the title that you came up with. Thank you. But I do have to say, um, and I, it's a little emotional, but the PMS challenge saved my life because had I not done that ride in 05, I wouldn't have known how sick I was because I pushed myself so much to accomplish what I set out to do as part of your team that I would have let things go. And I really don't think I'd be here today. So I have a debt of gratitude to you in so many ways. Um, I didn't think I'd get emotional, but it did. It actually Say, and that's what I say in my documentary, the PMC saved my life. So thank you. My pleasure. <laughs>
<laughs> well, <I'm> Our pleasure. <laughs> uh, I do remember, um, I remember after you were diagnosed and, you know, stage four, it, it's really scary, uh, the whole, everything that you went through and to be able, as you say, not only to be able to speak again, but to be able to sing is truly miraculous. Like I, I it really is, I keep saying remarkable, but it is. And uh, so I think, you know, you touched upon, uh, you were not a cancer patient or a cancer survivor when you wrote. I mean, you know, that first time that was, you were doing it um, to raise money and uh, for other people. And I think um, what, this collective energy that everyone feels on the weekend. It's a very positive way for people to channel emotion, grief, loss, love. So many, so much is wrapped up in that weekend and you feel it. You know, you yeah. just can't help every all along the weekend, the volunteers, the people standing on the side of the road, cheering for people, just, oh. you know, it's, it's really it's amazing. Yeah, I, I, my first time was 2003, and I rode for my sister-in-law who had been diagnosed with cancer. And she, my brother, met me at the finish line, and her hair had fallen out the day before. But she was smiling and happy. It was just a, a, an amazing, um, uh, amazing uh, event and day. And unfortunately, she passed a month before I got to sing at the, um, at the Fenway Park. Um, but that's what motivated me, which really, like I said earlier, it's where nobody is untouched, unfortunately. But, you know, the work you guys are doing makes it uh, all a little bit better. So I just want to say thank you. Um, I, I love you both. I wish you all the best and continued um, good health and strength and just keep doing what you're doing, and who knows, maybe I'll ride this year. <laughs> if I could, uh, if Thank I could you. just share with your audience one departing thought, uh, uh, which you might have heard in your voice as well, is you know the PMC has been studied by you know a lot of schools and business models, and one of the things that's come out of it is, of course, that why are people so motivated to join, and it is often said that. You can't buy this. You can't do it yourself. And to your audience, I would say what they have written, which is to, to, under, to get the PMC experience, you have to ante up to the rules of the PMC and be there. Now, what comes out of it is a tremendous amount, not just goodwill, not just money, but a lot of creativity of what goes on in people's minds about what roles they may further play to extend their own personal identities in having a meaningful life. Yeah. Look, the PMC attracts, in my opinion, high, Great. high level people. You know, you, you don't do this event if you want to tear down the world. Uh, <laughs> but when, when it's over, one does think about the many ways. Well, what's my skill set? You know, what can I do beyond riding a bike and raise money uh, to extend my own identity to have a meaningful life? And, you know, that kind of stuff never gets quantified uh, over and above the dollars we give every year. So 
it's just the goodwill that's being exhibited and what's going on in people's hearts and minds is very meaningful and again palpable so happy to do it it's been i've been very lucky that this has been my career course and uh thank you for being a part of it denise and glad you're still doing your podcast well well said and yeah this is this is a uh this is my reimagining who I am throughout the pandemic. Had the pandemic not happened, I probably would not have started a podcast. So I'm grateful. You know, we have to be grateful for and in everything because there's always a bigger purpose. Well, thank you both so much for your time. I appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime. And if I'm not going to ride this year, I will definitely get involved as a volunteer. Love Thank it. you, and you can reimagine. Yes. <laughs> Starting January 5th, you can register. <laughs> okay, I will. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thank you so much for being with me. I will be back next week. I hope you will join me. Until then, know you are loved and keep a good thought. Thanks for listening to this episode of So Much More Than Cancer. Please visit www.somuchmorethancancer.com to download your free inspirational and thought-provoking gifts. While there, you can also find more information on Denise and her other offerings. Look for Denise on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you'd like, you can pick up a copy of Denise's book, From Stage 4 to Center Stage at the Books and Pages tab on her website. Please remember to share, subscribe, and leave a review. Until next time, stay well.